Welcome to The People's Show with Big Nazar and Randeep Janda. It is The People's Show. Satyar Shah back in for Bik Nazar. Randeep Janda, as always, is here. Josh Elliott Wolf. It is The People's Show. Get in touch with us, as always, on the Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650-650. Big show coming up for you today. We'll have some fun with wrong answers only. There's a certain uh, individual or individuals linked to a certain soccer club that is in, in big demise because of some problems. So we'll debut that. Well, not debut it, but we'll do a wrong answers only on that coming up in a couple of minutes. You know, in the business world, demise means opportunity. <laughs> That's a good way of good way of putting Welcome it. Back, uh, Welcome back, Sam. Thank you. We'll, we'll get to that coming up in a second. Uh, Kevin Woodley is coming up at 4.30 in Gold Magazine. Don't at me is at 5.20 with your chance to win a trip to watch a nooner at the Nat. So that is coming up at, at 5.20. So have your don't at me Submissions ready to go. Then coming up at 5.30, Shai Davidi is going to join us. We'll talk about the Blue Jays. And coming up at 6, it is overrated, underrated. And in between that, we'll also give you a chance to get into the Fantasy Football League, the People Show Fantasy Football League during Turf Trivia. And in addition to that, because we're in an extra giving mood, we have a pair of tickets to give away for the stadium tour coming up at BC Place, which includes Motley Crew, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett. And all and so much more. So that's coming up on the show today. It's what we do in the People Show. Yeah. We look out for the people. So you got a, a few things coming your way in terms of prizes. Yeah. Uh, but you got to tune in. You do. You got to yeah. tune in to win those. Yeah. And tune in and also interact with us. Because if you do so, you can have a lot of fun here on the show today. Now, that's, now that is coming up. And you mentioned I'm back today. Thank you. Uh, I, I had to take a couple of days off because of back problems. Oh, so you're I, back due to your back. I, I'm back, but my back got in my way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You're feeling all right. I, I'm feeling okay. Classic old person thing. <laughs> washed. I am washed. I, I have I have not felt as washed as I felt this weekend in a very, very long time. So uh, did you have like, uh, what was, that? was it Brent Sopel that had like, was picking up a chip off the floor? Yeah, or Animal Cracker. Animal Cracker. Animal That's cracker. what it was, right? Yeah. Was <laughs> that what happened? He was playing with his, with his kids, picked up an Animal Cracker, threw his back out. I wish it was something like that. No, it wasn't. I hurt my back at the gym. I, w- I won't go into the details of what happened. Let's just say it wasn't my fault. Okay. okay. Let's just let's just put it that way. I'm just gonna leave it at that. But anyways, it happened. Uh, no, it wasn't like I don't have a trainer that did something to me or anything. It was you just were like, spotting somebody and they no, forgot to lift. I, let's just say like sometimes people bump into you. Something happens. Anyways, I don't want to you know I don't want to okay. give give anybody crap. It was, I am more interested what's in their this now? name. <laughs> I don't know their Describe name. Describe this person. I don't know their name. But um, regardless, uh, I tweaked my back last week. But it, it was all right. I came in during the week. Remember, I was. I was kind of grimacing a little bit. You're I was here on Thursday and Friday. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, I wasn't feeling great, but it was good enough to work. I wasn't a big deal. I, it was hard getting up and up and out, out out of the chair, and you guys made fun of me a little bit, but it was it was fine. And then on the weekend, I woke up on Saturday morning, couldn't move, couldn't get out of bed. I don't know why. It just got worse. I couldn't get out of bed on Saturday, and pretty much the same thing on Sunday. Okay. And uh, yeah, and Monday was pretty rough. Yesterday was was a lot better. Today's a lot better, but. Uh, definitely with the uh, with the help of some medication to, to keep the pain and the back spasms at a manageable level. But that's why I missed the last two days. Okay, yeah, and we were in your turf of West Van. You know how excited I was I, to go back to my hood? They had the whole the homecoming ready for you. Oh. There was a float there. I believe there were you know, bottles of Dom, <laughs> Dom Perignon as well. <laughs> my hood in West Van. It's, a, it's amazing out there, isn't it? It's beautiful, man. Yeah. I wish I could afford living out there. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. It was nice growing up there. <laughs> 
It was a good few hours at the, the Odlum Brown Valley. I know. I, I was really looking forward to going there. I even let a few of my friends know that I was going to be out there that day. I'm like, hey, come and check it out. And uh, I just I just couldn't couldn't make it. So I was very disappointed about it. Uh, but yeah, so that was my deal with, with my back the last few days. And I got to say, um, I, there was one moment... I think it was a Monday or maybe yesterday. It all blends in together. Especially where, when you're on those meds. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, am I, am I going back in time? Like, a, a, am I, am I hallucinating or am I going back in time? Cause, cause I'm, I'm pretty sure we talked about Calvin DeHaan being an option for the Canucks last week. So I woke up yesterday being like, wait, wait what day is this? Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday. DeHaan was in the news. He was in the news. And Hey, listen, this is not me taking a shot at anybody, but I'm just saying it's funny because you know, we were talking about it last week, and it was yep. back again on Tuesday. And at one point, I wasn't sure because of the state of mind I was in because of the medication of what day it was. And I thought for a moment we had gone back in time. Was there like Earth's voice ringing in your head <laughs> as, you, like as you saw this news? Was that <laughs> pretty much? Was Earth <laughs> was he floating in front of you? <laughs> he was. It was like a little Earth's face working around, hanging out. Uh, but it was funny because I was like, "What the hell is going on?" But it made me think, Randy, because I'm like, you know, we, we thought about this a lot. We talked about this last week. And, and I mentioned on Tuesday's show that I had heard the Canucks were checking in on some, you know, unrestricted free agent defensemen. Don't be surprised if we hear some some names linked to them, and especially a veteran type. Then later that show, we had Irf on, and he mentioned the Canucks have been in conversation with Calvin DeHaan. And, you know, whatever. So we'll see where that goes. I do think there has been more discussions with those camp with that camp over the weekend. I think that's why you got the update from Rick. Because I think the reason he got onto it more was because there was more discussion going on behind the scenes. But it made me it got me thinking about the blue line as a whole. About okay, you bring Dehan in because he's a depth option, can play the right side, is a veteran, can can do certain things for you, but is not exactly a top four needle moving defenseman. But if you have a lot of things that are uncertain or unsettled on the back end, it makes a lot of sense to bring somebody in. So the question I pose to myself, and I'm posing it to you and our listeners now, Randeep, of the Canucks blue line, how much is actually settled? Like how much can you say you can feel great about when it comes to their level of performance, the role they play, and how they're going to be able to execute that? Okay, really interesting question because I think with that, when you start looking at those names, a lot of people are saying, hey, get rid of them all if they're not named OEL and Quinn Hughes. And some of them might say OEL is a part of that group as well. Yeah. But I think the key element and the key word you added there was fit and the style that they play. So let's let's take a couple. Quinn Hughes, absolutely. That's without question, without that's not a conversation to me, right? Like that that is you've got that defenseman, boom. He's a part of the foundation, the base of your organization. He's a key piece. OEL. Part of this is contract, but part of this is also he's a good defenseman. Yeah. And if you look at that salary and you try to say, hey, he's not a good defenseman, I, let's take the salary out of it for one second. Yeah. I know we live in a cap world. He's still a 22-minute eating defenseman that is going to play probably a very key role in your matchup, your matchup uh, pair, right? Yeah. And then when you go beyond that, Tyler Myers, a lot of opinions of Tyler Myers in this market. Yeah. He still has a role on that team. He's still a pretty important player, is he not? He is. I mean, he can. The thing with Tyler Myers is he can play a significant role for you, and come away break even at the end of the day. 
And that's not necessarily somebody who's going to make your team a lot better, but he doesn't make your team worse. And right now, as I say that, there are people driving their cars or listening, screaming, saying, what are you talking They're about? They're pulling over and texting Tyler right Myers now. Tyler Myers is a detriment to the team. He's a liability. He hurts the team more than he helps the team. But if you look at his overall play, and I'm not saying he's a good player, but what I'm saying is he can play a top four role for you and come away break even. And most guys who aren't good, who play top four minutes, will get caved. And if you look at the underlying numbers, he was a break-even player. And if you're a break-even player playing top four minutes, it gives you some level of certainty. It's not great. So how do we, so how do we view Tyler Myers? Because to me, there's only two certainties. And that's Hughes and OEL. Hughes, we know, is going to crush it as a top pair defenseman. And no matter what you think about Oliver Ekman-Larsen, he plays at a top four level. Maybe a second pair level, but he gives you that type of play. Second pair play. Yeah. With Myers, it's kind of like he gives you a push. So you have two certainties and a push. I think with Myers, and this is a key question, because we, you know, me and Bick have debated this as yeah. well, where, yes, there's other options on the trade market if you were to try to dump that salary. But let me ask you this honest question about Tyler Myers. Realistic trade opportunities yeah. and moving money in, moving money out. Do you actually get better on the right-hand side? And the, the answer probably is no. Well, it all depends on what you're doing, right? Like, if, if you're getting rid of the money, just the money, and not replacing him, you're not better. There's, there no. isn't, right now, there isn't, a, there isn't a better option than Tyler Myers on this team that makes less money than and he does. And based on the mandate, which would probably be, you still want to get a team that will try to be in the playoffs or thereabouts or trying to improve the right-hand right. side. Like, there's this, there's this idea of, hey, get rid of Myers and then bring in a right-shot D. They haven't been able to bring in a right shot the other than Tyler Myers in the last decade. Well, exactly. I mean, even a guy like Tucker Pullman, at his best, he's not as good as Tyler Myers. And here's the other thing with Tucker Pullman. Is he even going to be ready for training camp? What is his status? You know, we don't know. The, the team said positive things, but nobody knows. Nobody said for sure he's good. He'll be here for training camp. He's going to be a part of our team. They've said they're hopeful. He's training in the right direction and all those sort of things. But nobody really knows until he shows up in training camp and if he can step on the ice or not. So Tyler Myers... At worst, I think he's a, a push yeah. in that conversation. I'd say it's fair to say he's a push. I, I would say he's probably based on the way that this team and salary out of it. I'm yeah. talking about skill. I think they need him. I, I think they absolutely need him. But once you start going beyond that, and I know there's probably people out there saying, you guys have not mentioned Luke Shen. He's been so important yeah. to Quinn Hughes over the last couple of years. He's been, or last year, and even his, his first trip with the Vancouver Canucks and his first opportunity with the Canucks a few years back. He had an impact back then, but look at what he's done now. I love Luke Shen as a player, but there's no certainty there. No. Right? Like, he's been able to to create a role for himself. Remember, training camp last year, there was no certainty that he would even make the team, that he would actually see the ice. There, I remember being at camp with you, Sat, when yeah. he was doing his media availability. The idea was, yeah, I'm going to come into camp and try to win a job. Yeah. So the fact that you got this side of him this year is great. But when it comes to Luke Shen, I don't think that you can you can't etch that in stone in by any means. Well, he's going to turn thirty three in the fall. So early in the season, Luke Shen's going to be thirty three years old. Never a fast skater, great skater. He played really well this past year. Him and Quinn Hughes, once they got together, he was Quinn Hughes's best partner. You know, from guys who played significant minutes together, nobody was a better partner last season with significant minutes. I'm not talking about a few minutes here, but significant minutes than Luke Shen and. Quinn Hughes. But to your point, the game's getting faster. Can you reasonably expect Luke Shen to replicate what he did last year and for him to be able to hold that same role and have the same level of success? Hey, it could happen, but the level of certainty isn't super high. So 
I think where the Canucks would would have liked to be in would have been they want to keep Shen. It's clear the captain could have traded him at the deadline. They didn't. They want to hold on to him because he is a break glass in case of emergency candidate. You know that if all things fail, you can maybe throw those two guys together and they can at least do something you can live with it. But it's not a certainty that it's going to work the same way next season. We've seen D pairs in the past have a good year. The next year, don't have the same level of success again. So once you start going through it, it starts to make a lot of sense why this team is still trying to add a guy like Calvin Calvin DeHaan. Because DeHaan, at his best, is a Tyler Myers type. A guy who can play 20 minutes for you and not hurt you. He isn't going to excel. He's not going to give you, you know, $5 million worth of value making a million or $2 million, But he's going to be able to play that role for you and not get caved in. And that's essentially what the Canucks are looking at for partners for Quinn Hughes and Oliver ekman Larson as this team is currently constructed, unless those two guys play together. And a criticism I've heard about, you know, this level of defensemen is that the Canucks have way too many of those guys. Why would you add another? I've heard that, and I'm sure you have as well. Here's the issue with that. Remember when they signed Luke Shen? When Jim Benning signed Luke Shen? Wasn't that kind of a bit of a conversation as well? Saying, hey, he's not going to change the game. He's... Why would you, you know, I think most people said, hey, there's decent value here. But still, at that point in time, there's a understanding that there's some value, but there's a certain level of defense. Yeah. Over the last year, he played up. He played up and he impressed to your point. But out of Dermot, who I like, but there's a limit to how much he can play. I think if you give him too many minutes, you start yeah. seeing the warts in his game. Tucker Pullman, you mentioned it. Uncertainty about once he hits the ice. Yeah, we've seen this with concussions and head injuries. What does the player feel? And it could be a longer road than we think. You know, Luke Shen, to your point, foot speed has always been an issue. Can he bring it for another year in the NHL? And then you start adding other names like Kyle Burroughs, who's excellent work ethic, great motor. But of course, there's flaws he in his game. He can't play 20 minutes. He I, can't. I, I mean, last year, it, it, I mean, not funny because I don't I don't want to watch people you know struggle with bigger yeah. roles. We all like what Kyle Burroughs brought and good depth player. But anytime, and we can bring the numbers and show them to you again, but the thought was, hey, give this guy more minutes and he'll be better. Anytime he played 18 to 20 minutes, he got caved in. Yeah, The differentials were horrible when he was out there because this goes back to what I mentioned about Tyler Myers. And yes, he makes too much money. And that's why a guy like Calvin DeHaan, if he comes in and can do the Tyler Myers role and get paid about $2 million to do that, hey, that gives you more flexibility in a year or whatever. Like you, That's a better option for you to get bang for your buck, so to speak. But the reason why a guy like Myers comes out as a push and a guy like Calvin DeHaan can be a push type of player is because when they're forced to play 20, 22 minutes, play big roles, they're not going to get caved in the way a guy like Hal Burroughs got caved in. They're not going to get caved in the way Ben Hutton got caved in when he played 20 plus minutes. So, yes, you want to have guys that can excel in those minutes, but there is value in having players. Or I'd say the bar to cross is, can you play 20 minutes a game? And not hurt us. And there's a couple of guys in that. You mentioned DeHaan. I'll throw Strawman in there as well because that's the name I... I yeah, you throw I, out. I, I'm, you know, I want... I think it would make a great fit for the Vancouver Canucks as right. far as being able to eat minutes. And I know he got caved in in Arizona, but honestly... Who, who didn't get caved who in? Who doesn't yeah. get caved in on <laughs> right. playing on that team? I get but, what you mean. But if you are of, of the opinion that they already have that level of defenseman, I'm sorry, but the availability of right shot D, that's what you're going to get. You have to take your pick out of that. And having one more body with a potential, a potential of playing the minutes you're mentioning is something this team needs, right? There are some question marks there. We, The three players that I mentioned, let's zero in on those two especially. Pullman, obvious health. Shen, potentially foot speed. And then Burroughs, 
Ceiling. What's his ceiling? Can he handle those minutes? You need to add another body because there's still a significant gap there. I think for a guy like Luke Shen, last year, to your point, the hope was either Travis Hamanick works with him because they worked well the year before, or Tucker Pullman's going to work with him. Either way, they were hoping that Hamanick and Tucker Pullman could be two right-side defensemen that could play potentially in their top four or potentially be partners for Quinn Hughes and Oliver Ekman-Larsen. Well, neither guys worked out in that regard. In training camp, Pullman and OEL showed well, but then once the season came along, that didn't work out. And we just spoke about OEL's kind of potential and his future here. So you go through the team and you realize this team, if they want to actually have a chance to compete next season, they need one more defenseman that you can maybe bank on. Because right now, I look at that team, I only see three players capable of playing top four minutes, maybe Luke Shen. So that means... You have no depth guy right now on this team that you can look at and say, okay, I feel like this player is going to be able to spot us for 15, 20 games playing top four minutes. Maybe Dermot, but anytime he did, he also had troubles. Yeah. Same thing goes for a guy like Rathbone. He's so young, you can't count on him doing so. Tucker Pullman, same thing. Played a lot of minutes. He struggled more, even if he is healthy and good to go. Same thing with, with Cal Burroughs. Bringing back Calvin DeHaan, bringing, bringing it back to, to your point, if you want a guy like Anton Strawman, what those guys give you is if somebody gets hurt, you have an option to play in your top four. Because as it stands, you don't feel good about any of your options outside of those, those players we mentioned. No, they don't. And in case of injury as well, that's another thing. On that right-hand side, one of those three defensemen that you can rely on, and I know there's going to be disputes on that, but it's Tyler Myers. You can rely on a certain baseline mm-hmm. with his game. Let's just say he goes down with injury because it's going to happen at some point on the back end to somebody. If it's him, who do you have? You're even more so. Who do you have there to fill that gap, right? So, you know, if he's got to miss a couple of games or even more than that, you're in a, a real conundrum there. So I think, you know, those players that we mentioned, there's a real need there because I know, Josh, you feel that Travis Dermott could potentially yeah. jump into that second pair. We talked about this a couple of days ago. I don't want to see that. If I'm yeah. a Canucks fan and you start seeing Travis Dermott on a second pair or eating top four minutes... I think that's a problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and you know, I, I see Amar on Twitter. We'll get to some of the text messages too. He's, he mentions Myers has a role, but you can't uh, find cheap defensemen. You can find cheap defensemen that do what he does. Who are cheap defensemen that play 20, 22 minutes a game? On the right game? side? Yeah. Who are cheap defensemen that play on the right side 20, 22 minutes a game and can be break even? I'm not talking about a guy that plays 16, 17 minutes a game. Like, don't bring up, like, God loves Troy Stetcher. But the reason Troy Stetcher doesn't play top four minutes anywhere is because he can't. He can play in your third pair. He can give you minutes. He's a good depth defenseman. But if push comes to shove, you can't rely on him playing tw- top tw- you know, top four minutes. So my question is, how many guys are out there that are cheap on the right side that can do what Myers does? That doesn't mean, that's not me saying he's, he's got a good contract. Yeah. That's not it at all. And a guy like Calvin DeHaan potentially could be a player like that. But he hasn't played at that level either for a couple of years. You know what I mean? Like, does he get back there on a good team? You know, if the Canucks are better, can it work here? Hey, it's worth a shot at a cheap contract, right? But well, there both aren't... of those players have questions, right? Like 100%. Arizona and Strawman, they were bad. Chicago and Calvin DeHaan, like Chicago fans, weren't fans of his game either. Even though the numbers are a little bit better than you when you look at Strawman. But the fact is, there's warts in any of these guys' games, and and that's the reality of it. You have to kind of pick somebody that is is has experience, but they're by far not perfect players. We know that. Well, I mean, they're still available for a reason. All the righty guys get paid. Like even even the guys that aren't aren't good. You saw it in free agency getting two and a half million, two million. You know, Good Branson gets four million per season over three years. You know, 
these contracts get handed out to right side defensemen who are viewed as guys who can play top four minutes. Right side defensemen get overpaid. Again, that's not me saying the Myers contract is good, but the point being, if it was that easy to find cheap options to play top four minutes, they would have gone to them. I mean, nobody has, people don't have allegiance to Tyler Myers for the sake of having allegiance to him. You know, like, Boudreaux, Boudreaux didn't have a good opinion of, of him before he came here. And then he saw him, he's like, you know what? He's still better than any, anything else we have. He's better than I thought he would be. You look at tra- Travis Green, how much he played him. Look in Winnipeg, how much he played. And we saw Louis Erickson struggle in Vancouver. The owner paid a lot of money for him, a lot of signing bonus money. Didn't stop him from getting healthy scratch. Didn't stop him from getting, you know, essentially set, you know, put on the outside looking yeah. in. So the point being that if he was that bad, if it was so easy to replace Tyler Myers with, with the... With the carousel of right side defensemen this team has brought in over the years on cheap contracts, how come other guys haven't beat him out, beaten him out, him out yet? And I, I agree with uh, all of that, right? But on the other side of things, and you know, Amar makes a good point about his fit. Maybe doesn't it's not the way that Rutherford has planned or Alvin has planned, which is fair, yeah. And and I'm I've been very critical of the pairing. I think, and I think it's obvious for a lot of us to see that when OEL is with him, mm-hmm. OEL's not as good. He doesn't seem as comfortable playing on the ice as we've seen him in previous years playing with a certain type of partner. So I agree, the fit is not right. But in terms of saying... But that's the a, whole blue line, essentially. Yeah, that that's on the coaching staff to say, and Trent Call and Mike Yo and Bruce Boudreaux, they're going to have to figure out how do you make those pairings, especially that top four work. But he's not a bad defenseman. It's just that when he's playing with OEL, OEL's got to sit back. Yeah. OEL is still gifted offensively. He can. You want him to. You want him, him to, to engage. You want him because he's actually a more efficient, better offensive defenseman than Myers is. Despite the fact that Myers is getting greatest strength is rushing the puck out and creating some stuff. Right. So you're right, and, and and that's ultimately the problem here with the Canucks blue line. As we go through this, and the reason why they're still linked to a guy like Calvin DeHaan, the reason you still hear this stuff being out there is because of the exercise we just went through. Go through it and start thinking about it a little bit about who's available, what's going on, who can play what role. And it's pretty easy to figure out. Yes, this team has bodies. They have a bunch of guys who can play, you know, minutes for you. But they have guys who can play on the third pair. They have guys who can be depth options for you. How many guys can step up in a pinch and help you out? And that's what they have to really, really improve. A lot of text coming in on this. Uh, this one, Johnny Bubla, too expensive to be a depth defenseman for Tyler Myers. Marcus says, pair our defenseman based on salary. Top pair, Quinn and OEL. Second pair, Myers and Dermott. Third pair, Rathbone and Shen. Pullman at number seven. Okay. Why not? Hey, it's all worth a try. Hey, I'd like to see Quinn on the right-hand side. That could be fun. Uh, a little bit more. You know, I know he's kind of been thrown in there in certain aspects of... I'm you know, with you, Randy. Just let, let's see it. Let's see it. Why I, not? I think if there's one player, and I know with OEL we've heard they might try it out and we'll see what happens, but if there's one player whose game should not be affected by changing which side he plays on, it would be Quinn Hughes because he rose around so much to begin with. Defensively, it creates other issues because where your stick is at and... So it can make it a little bit tougher. And for a player who wants to improve defensively, I can understand they want to be reluctant until he shores that up before making that change. But I'm completely with you. If I wanted to bet on one player this season to play the right side effectively as a lefty, it would be Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, hey, or you could try Dermot in the top four and see how that works, right? Like you could try it. You could try Like, I'm not a huge fan of that, but, like, you, you don't have many options is my point. Yeah, and, and, and I, don't, I don't want to sit here and say these guys can't do it or and it's not going to happen or be pessimistic about it. It's more about... How likely is this to happen? How confident on you are you on betting on this to happen? And if you're not so confident on betting on it happening, 
What do you need to do to gain more confidence in your blue line? And that's essentially what's kind of going on here. And final text, this one says, unsigned. Cammy Granado indicated that Pullman's camp has told them his health is good. Concerns over JR's comments are unfounded. I mean, we've heard that. I know Emily Castongay also said some po- positive things. But I would just say, I'd, I'd be careful. With, with the whole, you know, he's going to be healthy 100%. Like, just... We'll see what happens. Well, you also have to see, we haven't seen game action, right? Yeah. It's, I can understand the comments, but until you hit the ice, until you, you know, take a hit or two, we're always, that's natural for everybody to say, okay, we understand he's doing well, but is there game action actually? Has that happened? Has that player taken any hits? Has, has he been tested? Yeah. And how does he pass that test, right? No, absolutely. Um, did you see, um, Let's do this here. All right. Because we have some time on the other side. What do you got? Um, we kind of teased it. A certain billionaire, or maybe, is he the richest man in the world? Where, where does this man rank? I believe he is. Of, is he, or is it Bezos still? Uh, uh, it's definitely Bezos. Is okay, it still yeah. Bezos? Musk is he's, there. He's up there. Okay, so Elon Musk uh, was joking on Twitter saying he wants to buy Manchester United. Then he said, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. But uh, Jim 272 Rat- billion, by the way. So That's it? That, that's, that's not it. bad. That's yeah, not bad. And uh, Jim Ratcliffe who uh, you would know as part owner of, well, I mean, big investor in, in Mercedes. Okay. Ineos. Yeah. Uh, so he's a big one. I think the richest man in, in the UK. Yeah. Well, he's launched a bid to buy United, or at least buy part of United. So Manchester United could be on sale. It, it could potentially be for sale with the Glazers potentially being willing to sell a minority stake in the franchise. So we're seeing billionaires either joke about buying it or actually make bids to buy it. Where do you come out on all this? Okay, Musk, I don't want him to buy any of the teams I support, but I would love for him to put in a bid for somebody. Not not Twitter. That didn't work out so well. But that's the, kind of the game, man. We've You know, the EPL was kind of ahead of the curve on this, where about 10 years ago, you started seeing owners from other countries kind of dipping their money in. Obviously, Man City, Chelsea was ahead of the curve on that. Roman Abramovich was no longer the owner, but you had that going on in the English Premier League for a long, long time. So it's, it's not necessarily new there, but that's kind of it. it. Part of it is, you know how we might buy something? It's, it's something that we, we look at and say, hey, this is kind of like a, it's a leisure activity for me. Yeah. It's a business for them too, but it's also a leisure activity for them as well. Cause what is a bigger what is a bigger ego play than buying buying a iconic brand? And that's what Manchester United is right now. So I guess I'm for it because it increases the drama. As long as it's not my club, I, I appreciate drama. Yeah, hey, listen, now that Chelsea uh has this ownership situation figured out. I will say, uh last spring heading into the summer was very unsettling as a Chelsea fan. With, with the whole Abramovich thing yep. happening. I'm like, what, what does this mean for the future of the club? There was, there, for a moment, we weren't even sure if the club was going to exist. There was talk of the club being shut down and shuttered because they weren't going to be able to make their payments to players and they were going to run afoul of the Premier League and they were going to get suspended and de facto, it would ruin the franchise. Now that's been settled. So now I can laugh at other franchises again and not worry about it too much. But for wrong answers only, and this is a good one you came up with, what will Elon Musk want to buy next? Ooh. 650, 650, hit us up with your answers. Why don't we why don't we let Ye- people send them in first? And okay. then we'll uh, we'll bring them after. We'll bring ours after. Elon Musk, what will he want to buy next? That's wrong answers only coming up next. And we were talking about uh, Canadian players on, on the Canucks on the black back end here, Randeep, that 
um, you know, we can, we can count on. The flip side, and I know you guys talked about this a bit yesterday, you and Izzy and, and Josh, what Canuck players have a lot to prove this season? Who has the most to prove? How much time you got? There's a lot of them. Oh, we have some time on the other side. We'll get to that and more right here on The People Show on Sportsnet 650. It is The People Show. Satyar Shaw with Randy Janda, Josh Elliott-Wolf. Second segment of the show. Had some fun starting things off. Talked about the Canucks blue line a little bit. And uh, got things going on wrong answers only. We are going to talk to Kevin Woodley coming up at the bottom of the hour. And as always... This hour of The People Show is brought to you by Douglas Lake Equipment. Get the quality turf construction and ag equipment you need while staying under your salary cap at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland, douglaslakeequipment.com. And uh, coming up, we have turf trivia, so stay tuned for that for your chance to gain entry into The People Show Fantasy Football League. That's coming up in a bit. Uh, We'll talk a little bit uh, as well about... Well, um, Canucks players that have a lot to prove. We'll get to that coming up in a couple minutes. But before we do that, let's get to wrong answers only. What will Elon Musk want to buy next? His, his venture to buy Twitter failed. He, he joked about buying Manchester United. He's got billions upon billions burning a hole in his underground tunnel. What is he going to buy next? I was so hoping the Manchester United thing was real. Because that's the <laughs> next thing that they need. All right, what will Elon Musk want to buy next? I got one here. Yeah. The PE, the Pacific mm. National Exhibition. And he's going to bring back those little donuts. Those little donuts. Yeah, have you seen Have you seen the, uh, the craziness online about I've those little donuts? I've seen it. The little mini donuts. The mini donuts. Musk uh, will bring them back. Controversy. So, apparently. Apparently. Now, b- before we move on, did that get figured out, by the way? Apparently, there are three other vendors that uh-huh. will have donuts, and the oldest one, the longest serving, the original, yeah. is still going to be there. But this was one of them that people grew an attachment to. So that's what I understand. We brought this up a couple of days ago. We had some angry texts saying, hey, guys, you- you're lying. Here's the truth. So there's a lot of donut truthers out there. All right. P- people people don't take lies. But Musk donuts. will bring them back. He will bring them back. Apparently. <laughs> According to my wrong answers only. <laughs> All right. Wrong answers only. A lot of submissions coming in. What you got, Randy, on the text inbox? We got Peter and Maple Ridge coming in with, Musk will buy the Memphis Grizzlies and move them back to Vancouver after singing the national anthem and promising fans in Memphis that he will not move them. <laughs> That'd be great. Sing the anthem. Man, that still it. hurts me. It does. I, I, I almost dropped an F-bomb. Uh, <laughs> uh, Christopher stuck in traffic. Wrong answers only. Elon Musk will want to revive the Trump brand vodka. Was that a, was that a thing? Trump I don't vodka? know. I, I'm assuming it was trash. <laughs> I'm assuming. Uh, we got this one from Chris from Surrey. Musk will buy Artem Chubarov's car, Mercedes, that was parked inside Rogers Arena. <laughs> That's a good one. That's an antique. That's a That's collector's an item, man. Yeah. Do you know that story, Josh? No. What? Josh, well, I might. I might. That is like a, a a great story from Canucks history. I mean, I think Artem Ch- Artem Chubarov, cult figure. Well, no, I mean, like I think they were born this. I mean, he played for the Canucks when before. <laughs> the Mercedes is older than you are. Yes. So, yeah. long story short, uh, during the lockout, the, the year lost, the year that you know they didn't play, uh, Artem Chubarov signed a contract to play in Russia. 
They came back and he didn't sign a contract. But when he left Vancouver, he left his car parked in underground at Rogers Arena and never came back to claim it. And it stayed there for a couple of years until they finally got rid of it. Collected dust. Dang. Yeah. Sad. So, yeah. so if you have that car or if you know the whereabouts, please text us. <laughs> I'd love to see this thing. We may know a purchaser. Uh, we got Puff coming in. Puff, yeah. Puff won Don't At Me yesterday. Congratulations, Puff. Wrong answers only. It must be to buy diamonds on diamonds on diamonds on diamonds. <laughs> the ad that keeps on giving back. <gasps> oh, that is great. A chef's okay, w- I brought a cool wet rag. <laughs> oh, my. Wait, that came, I, I forgot about that, actually. It's the Caleb. Yeah. Uh, chef, chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen. Wrong answers only. Elon Musk is, is going to want to buy the Vancouver Canucks so we, he can win back his girlfriend and Vancouver native Grimes. Okay. Yeah. What's more likely? He gets back with Grimes or... Randeep lands a date with Shakira. I don't know. Shakira, now is the time to get a date with Shakira. Yeah, listen, she's I'm she's looking get, for something new in her life. Listen, uh, if, if things go the way they seem to be going, she would be happy to have visitors. You can visit her. I hope I get visitation rights. <laughs> I hope I hope I'm on the list, Sat. Can I be a visitor? Uh that's a good one. That is good. Uh, Torgi says Musk will bring back the BBM. Ooh. Can you bring back ICQ as well? <laughs> that would be great. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know what? BBM was the best messenger. Yeah. See, I was, I never went BlackBerry, so I didn't really have like the, the prime BBM experience. Yeah. BBM was good. I mean, like you, yeah. you mean cell phone, right? Cell like, phone. Because MSN messenger was the OG. Like it was, yeah, I it think was, that was the elite one. I think as far as messengers goes to me, BlackBerry Messenger was the best one. It doesn't mean Blackberries were the best phones, but just the BBM, that, that whole thing was, I thought was really good. The emojis were really good too. They were, they were. We got this one, Chad in Nanaimo. Uh, although there's an autocorrect, they're saying Manaimo. <laughs> I think he means Nanaimo. Elon Musk will buy Zellers because it's making a comeback. Big news today. Zellers coming back in 2023. I saw that. I saw that. We might have a joke for that a bit later as well. Uh, Elon Musk can buy the American Cup and enters a TELUS yacht. That's from Guido. Okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, here's another one. It might be a right answer. Elon Musk can buy BC Play Stadium. Can he? He's got the money. He's got the money. But I mean, will they sell? Yeah, the government needs some money these days, don't they? The government <laughs> always needs money. Uh, another great poll, Aftar G. Elon Musk will buy a Marion Gabrick, Gabrick's house in Vancouver, finally putting an end to the Gabrick to the Canucks rumors. Uh, uh, that's, do, you know, do you know that one? I know that one. Okay, yeah, yeah. thankfully. Thankfully. thankfully yes. know that one. I feel like this is going to turn into old men tell Josh stories about Canucks lore. I know. There was one. Uh, do you guys remember the one about Peter Forsberg? I don't remember that one. There was one about Forsberg, too. They, people thought they saw him at the airport. Oh. Yeah. It, it wasn't. It was <laughs> Is that like the Eric Carlson at the airport? Remember? That Remember when, the, like he had like a stopover in Vancouver oh, or something? It was it was him at the airport and then, you know, a secret meeting uh, with Canucks ownership at a restaurant. Which it, was but he was in Vancouver. He did actually. There was a photo of him with a with a with a priest actually in a Vancouver airport. Like uh, he there, I don't know if he came here to meet with the Canucks or anything, but this was the same year and Was it a confession it was, it was, Friday? It was it might have been. It was at YVR and there was a guy who was a I think he was a priest or something who took a photo with Eric Carlson at the airport in Vancouver. Okay. So maybe Eric was doing Confession Fridays before, well before we were. Might have been. Perfect for Vancouver. We got this one. Musk going to McDavid's house. He's going to buy McDavid's house because nowhere else on earth or space <laughs> has a better view than McDavid's house. 
Oh, that's terrific. That tumbleweed in the back. Oh, that is terrific. All right, a lot of good submissions. Keep them coming in. Uh, we'll, we'll revisit a bit later on if, if a few more pop up. But yeah, wrong answers only. A lot of fun here on the People Show on Sportsnet 650. Keep keep those submissions coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. We'll have more fun with it as the show goes on. And as we mentioned, a lot of interactivity planned for you today because in about 10 minutes' time or less, we are going to play Turf Trivia for your chance to gain entry into the People Show Fantasy Football League. So and that's I, coming up soon. And I do have an update on the Turf Trivia okay. wins of late. Oh, okay. The municipality that is, I would say, tripling the amount of wins of anybody else, Surrey. Surrey. So Surrey is dominating. Vancouver has zero wins thus far for the Fantasy Football League. And other municipalities, like Poco's, you know, doing well. Yeah. But Surrey right now is dominating. So... Step your game up to the rest of the lower mainland. And hey, this is this is not a geographical. There's no limitations. You can be from anywhere and play fantasy football. Yeah, exactly. This is not a. The turf is international, global. Where's your turf? If it's Elon Musk, it could be you know universal. It, it could be. Could be anywhere. It could be. It could be Mars. Has he reached Mars yet? I think mentally, happen? yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. We'll see. Maybe that's what it's going to be. You know what? You know the wrong answers only. Elon Musk is going to buy Mars. That's actually a right one. Man. It like might the way be. that the way that his rockets are flying up there these days. It might be. It might be. Uh, all right. Uh, we were talking in the first segment about uh, the Canucks blue line. You know, we mentioned last week they're looking still at some free agent defensemen, and Earth mentioned Kelvin DeHaan, whose name is back out in this week with the Canucks still, you know, exploring the avenue to see if they can make something work there with the veteran defenseman who's able to play the right and the left side. And I know on the show yesterday from uh, um, from the Audlin Brown. And you, Randy, obviously with, with Izzy and Josh, you guys talked about players that have something to prove and kind of teased Canuck players who uh, have something to prove this season. That's right. And it, it's kind of started with the mention of Jason Dickinson, where this is a guy that last year, terrible year, and he admitted himself, right? But it does kind of open up the conversation when you're talking about players on this team and what they have to prove. Because there's not one or two. There's a good... I would say more than a handful that maybe didn't have the greatest of years or maybe you're looking to take that next step up. So when we're talking about improving or being more consistent, I would say there's probably upwards of like 10 players on this yeah, team. Maybe so even many. half this team that that have something serious to prove this year. And I think the biggest one to me is the center of the future. It's Elias Pettersson. And I know JT Miller is the player that gets all the, you know, Headlines right now for obvious reasons. He was yeah. a point getter last year, 99. But Elias Pettersson, terrible start to the year last year. And part of that was obviously due to the injury. We saw that later on. He started to turn it around in mid-January. I remember specifically it was a road trip to Washington, Nashville. Yeah. He played with Hoaglander and Pod Colson, kind of gave them confidence and ended up you know, finding his as well. But remember how bad it was at the beginning of the year where the inconsistency we saw in his game with reason but it felt like it took a while for him to get there. And, and and once you look on his resume, it still comes off as a, 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 you know, a decent year. But when we talk about ceiling, what his ceiling is, can he pick up those points? Can he bring that consistently enough? It's still a question mark in the city because it hasn't totally happened over 82. Yeah. Is he going to take that 10, 15% leap in point total? So for me, I, I look at Elias Pettersson and at home last year, he was a point per game player on the road. Not quite. Yeah. That consistency, he's got to prove that to me. And health is a part of it. But I think he's got a lot to prove 
this coming year. You know, it's you know, as you were going through that and what you mentioned before, how this team has so many different players that have something to prove upwards of 10. And, you know, your point about Pedersen, because you can look at it and say, well, he had such an incredible second half of the season. You know, his pace, he still had a career year in terms of points and goals. But nobody on this team outside of JT Miller, Quinn Hughes, and Thatcher and Demko did it for the whole year. Yeah. Last season, who went wire to wire? You you could say OEL had a good start, and then he had the injury a little bit. And, and I wouldn't say he struggled ever last year. He never really excelled, but he, I, th- I thought he was fairly consistent from start to finish. Decent start, you know, was good defensively, didn't hurt the team, and got better offensively as the season went on. But even him, he's a guy you can point to clearly with the salary and clearly with the expectations and everything the team gave up to acquire him. Something to prove, of course. I would say, though... Um, in addition to what you mentioned, because nobody did it full year, yep. the player that I think, who's still young, but is almost at a crossroads already, is Niels Hoaglander. Because the, the pressure point for him is different. It's not so much of he's going to be out of the league. It's more about what does this team think he is? And do they either bet on him or they do they cash in on him during this year or after this upcoming year? Because if they don't get some certainty on what he's going to be, you probably look to cut bait before that diminishes farther, you know? And that's not to say he may not work elsewhere. It's just about what do you think of this player? So I think Niels Hoaglander, when it comes to his, you know, his tenure as a Canuck and his likelihood to have success long-term, this is the most pivotal year of his career. However long his career is going to be with as a Canuck, to me, this is the most pivotal year he's going to have. Yeah, and it's not a, a deal breaker, but he is going to get paid after this year, yeah. right? So he had the great rookie year. Last year was very disappointing. And then... We'll see what happens this year. So to your point, he's got to prove what his salary is. But the other thing is, when we say they're deep on the wings, part of this is, you know, when you go after Mikheyev, who plays a certain style of game and very good on the PK, but five on five, he plays hard. He's a smart player. Niels Hoaglander did not necessarily show those final two things I talked about last year, where there were moments where he'd go MI in a game. You know, remember, watching him in Sweden... Watching him play, even in his first year, there's snarl to his game. Yeah. For his size, he can have that chippiness. Go ask Derek Forbert. Remember yeah. that fight yeah. that Zach McEwen had with him? Got in it's, his skin, got under his skin. Got yeah. under Forbert's skin, and Hoaglander can play that style, but we didn't see that consistently enough last year. So the reason that Canucks add on the wings is part of the deficiencies, and Hoaglander didn't really give him that many reasons to think and say, hey, I can be a consistent you know, player in your top nine. What well, this season, especially with the numbers game, it's either going to be Hoaglander, it's either going to be Tanner Pearson. I mean, I guess you could say Mikheyev, potentially. You know, you, you guess you could say Kuzmenko, potentially, because we haven't seen them, you know, in Canuck sweaters. Yep. But those players could, one of those players, if everybody is healthy, Randy, and everybody comes to camp, is playing on the fourth line next season. And I know most Canucks fans are looking at this, and hey, even me looking at it saying, okay, what is the ideal Canucks forward group? To me, the ideal forward group has Tanner Pearson on the fourth line. Yeah. Because in th- in that world, Hoaglander would be showing well enough that he's com- that the coach would be confident in playing him in a more offensive top nine role. Ideally, Curtis Lazar, Jason Dickinson, and Tanner Pearson, or, or even Dakota Joshua fighting for a spot with Jason Dickinson, that to me is the ideal fourth line. If that's the fourth line we see, that means Hoaglander had a good camp. And the other thing is that if, you know, we were talking about this yesterday, if you load up with, Miller and Pedersen, one of those guys playing on the wing, right? Maybe it's an iteration of the lotto line or something of that. Or the other option is if you go three deep down the middle, that does open up a spot on the wing. So Hoaglander could benefit from that, but we'll see. We'll see what, you know, 
a guy like Bruce Boudreaux or Mike Yo and what they what they're cooking up when it comes to their lines. So Hoaglander is definitely that. Torgi agrees with you. Hoaglander has the most pressure this year. Is his make or break with the Canucks? And the key word this year for me will be trust. Yeah. He didn't have that with the coaching staff last year. No, and for him to get that, two things have to happen. Or, I mean, both things would be perfect. One of two has to happen. Either you score more, and if you score more, coach will be fine. He'll live with your deficiencies because you're scoring goals. Or you become a bit more responsible and you're a bit safer as a player. Not to say you're, you know, you you limit all your risks, but the variance in your game has to go away a little bit. If you're going to miss your assignment, if you're going to take the wrong lane, if you're not going to be in the spot you're supposed to be, you better make sure you're scoring enough times to make up for it. So that's kind of where I'm at with Hoaglander. But if he comes in and plays the exact same way as last year, the coach is going to have him on the outside looking in. Oh, for sure. And, you know, hit us up with your options as well. 650-650, which Canuck has the most to prove this year? I'm going to throw another name in that conversation. Even though he's got a, a limited sample size in the NHL, Spencer Martin has a lot to prove this year. This got a two-year deal, but yeah. Two-year deal. It's a big spot for him, right? You've got Thatcher Demko. You know he's going to probably you know, eat 60 games, 62 games, and that's a number that Ian Clark mentioned on this show. Yeah. He, he said the ideal sweet spot for him, I asked him, was 60 to 62 games. Obviously, they couldn't do that last year based on the fact that they were chasing the season. They were trying to get into the playoffs, but Martin hasn't done that before, right? You got nine total career games. And he's getting a chance to get the backup job. Can he give you 20 to 24, maybe 25 games? Yeah. Depending on how it shakes through. But at the very least, you're looking at 20 to 22. And that's a big question. This is a big moment for him. And he came to Vancouver. It took a few weeks to get used to working with Curtis Sanford. They tweaked a couple of things in the technique. Kevin Woodley, who's going to join us in a few minutes' time, has talked about that in the past. He got up up to speed, started playing very well in the HL, worked mm-hmm. his way to the NHL, and you know a 950 save percentage speaks for itself. But that's the first look of the NHL. Yeah. Now you're coming in, you're going to compete for a spot. It is a little different when there's expectation. The expectation is the same as Yaroslav Halai had last year. Hey, if you're going to give Thatcher Demko a day off, make sure it's a he actually gets the day off. Well, you know what? I think that's a good one. And I think he fits into there too. I mean, Colin Delia is the backup to the backup, right? He's he's the breaking case of emergency option they signed this offseason, the goaltender. But Spencer Martin, they, they need him because you're, you're right. It's not just about, hey, can he play 10 games, 12 games for you? It's can he play 20 games for you? Can he help you get to that 60 number or, or less? Like you want to ideally play, like Ian Clark mentioned to your point, 57 to 60 games. Can he get you that many games? And I think that's a big question. One more I'll throw out there is Travis Dermott. Uh, even though he'll be RFA at the end of the year, we've seen this a lot in the NHL. You get to your third contract, you have Arbrights, and if you're not playing well, you're not getting qualified. Good year. And they gave up a third-round pick to get him, even though his salary is $1.5 million. But if he just shows you the third-pair defenseman, do you want to be committing whatever arbitration may give him. if he, Because here's the thing, arbitration may give him something decent by default because we just went through the exercise of who's available for the Canucks. Let's say they don't add a Calvin DeHaan. As soon as somebody gets hurt, who's playing in your top four? Yep. It's going to be Travis Dermott. So if Travis Dermott ends up having the, a year where he plays 19, 20 minutes a game and still not good, but still gets 15, 20 points, that's going to put him in line of making close to 3 million or more, but he may not be worth it. So for him, it goes to... He has pressure to have a good year just to get qualified for next season or get a contract here beyond next season. And there's a difference between, you know, obviously forward defense, but we talked about Niels Hoaglander. Niels yeah. Hoaglander is going to have to, 
play well and really outperform other wingers on this team. If he wants to get near the top six, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to climb over a few players, yeah. right? With Travis Dermott and what we talked about that defense, the left side is stacked, but we know Dermott can play the right hand side as well. There is an opportunity here. It's not like you're you're passing over all star players. I don't know if he's capable of that. I, I think he's an ideal third pair defenseman, but this is an opportunity for him where yeah. you look at that right side, especially, and you say, okay, yeah, there's not world beaters on that side. There's like a good level of competition with Luke Shen, yeah. you know, Tucker Pullman if he's healthy. And of course, Tyler Myers is going to be your number one on that right-hand side. But yeah, this is a big opportunity as well, where I think some other players like Hoaglander winning that trust, it's going to be difficult. You remember, he was drafted by a different regime. Yeah. This regime traded for Dermot. It's different, exactly. And you know, there are those pressure points that exist on each player, but some guys get a bit more rope when they're your guy because you have more belief in them, or at least you know you want you want to give your bets a bit more time to see if they cash in. But if they're not your bets, it's easier to cash in on them a bit quicker. Uh, Imran from Richmond says Connor Garland. Considering all the stuff we heard last year, and I know by the end of the year he played better, and I think the organization was a bit higher on him. I think it's fair because. If they don't love him, you got to start moving him before, you know, I mean, the contract you can move. The reason they didn't you know, trade him at all is because the offers weren't great. But, you know, if nobody's offering your first round pick, you don't want to move him. But if you get to a point, that's to a, you get to a stage, if you don't think he's going to fit, maybe you'll be willing to take a bit less to make that happen. So I think that one fits. One I'll mention here before we go to turf trivia, and maybe we can talk about this a bit more tomorrow when, when, when we look at star players around the league. Or, or maybe, you know what, it's really interesting when we look at Canadian teams, Randy. How many Canadian teams have a star player that has a lot to prove? Because the most obvious one we haven't talked about, who to me would be the player with the most to prove if he comes to training camp and isn't signed, is JT Miller. Mm. Coming off a 99-point year, team hasn't signed him, team hasn't traded him, he hasn't got his contract. He would probably have a lot to prove despite already proving a lot. I'll even add to that. I'll say if he does sign, if if they've given the money... Guess what? You got to back up a 99 point season and get as close as possible to that again. If you get the money, if you get that, whatever that number is, that big number, you got to prove a lot more as well. It took us 55 minutes into the show to mention JT Miller. That must be a, that must be a record. That's not bad. That's not bad. 55 minutes before mentioning JT Miller. What do you think of that, Josh? Not bad, hey? Impressive. Impressive. Wow, you're, you're in prime form. (laughs) Take a couple days off and, and take a bunch of back pain meds and, you know, set you straight. There you go. Or the room is right now spinning for Sat, but he's still <laughs> yeah. he's still on top of man. He's it might be. It. It, it very well might be. All right, uh, a lot of fun on this. Uh, keep keep your comments coming into the text inbox. We'll revisit some of those as the show goes on. But what we mentioned, it is time to get into turf trivia. Reigning champion Surrey, like Randy mentioned, have been holding it down hard. And well, I'll leave it at that. I'll just say I'll say this: you win an entry into the People Show Fantasy Football League if you get this answer right. What's that's the right. question? The re- that's right. And I got to say, Surrey is stepping up. Everybody else, let's see what you got as well. 650, 650. Today's question, Derwin James making that money. $76.4 million over four years. Ooh. The most lucrative contract for a safety in NFL history. We're making it a football question. Derwin James was the second safety taken in the first round of the 2018 NFL draft at pick 17. Who was the first safety Selected in that draft. Ooh, yeah. I know Sat knows this. He doesn't, he doesn't have to look it up. No, no and, and I know you and I had a very long conversation about we it did. when it happened. We did. Uh, for a very particular reason, because I like the player a lot, and you had a vested interest in knowing about the player. Yes. 
So that's your hint. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. All right. Uh, that is Turf Trivia. Coming up next, Kevin Woodley right here on The People Show on Sportsnet 650.